skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pro's covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair. So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash justbreakup. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash justbreakup for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And today, we're going to answer a letter from somebody who is dating across races, but before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners. Right. We are not professionals. We are not trained in this. Um, so please take our advice as you see fit. We're only here to offer our humble musings, so hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right. We're just going to dive into today's letter. It is from Chronic White Boy Dater whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from San Diego. Now, a little about me. I, 24, she, her, have been going out with a fantastic guy, 27, he, him. We have a lot in common. He's sweet, down to earth, genuine, introspective, and most importantly, consistent. Very good for my anxious attachment style. Shout sure. out to Sierra for representing us anxious cuties. <laughs> <laughs> He and I have been going out for the past month or s and a half or so, and I think we are approaching the big DTR talk. Mm. Really like this guy, and I'm ready to say, yes, let's pursue this further. Just you and me. 
However, even with all the amazing qualities that, that I listed above, I find my anxious attachment sometimes flaring up. I'm not used to a consistent slow burn. I've historically been more of a, I love you in two weeks kind of girl. Sure. <laughs> Relatable. <laughs> Relatable. Let's go to the grocery uh, store I, together. <laughs> listen, NPR said that was great. No, wait, was it, was it NPR? Yeah, this article came. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about? Uh, nope. 80,000 people sent me. I think what was an NPR article <laughs> that was like, turns out the grocery store is a great place for a first date. <laughs> no. It was very cute. Terrible. Yes. Okay. Get with the time, Sam. Continuing the letter, it mm-hmm. says, but I don't have to tell you much for you to guess how those relationships turned out. I went to therapy and I have more tools to keep myself in check. So even though I still feel these flare ups, I'm well equipped in self-soothing arena. There is a big thing, though, that I feel like keeps me second guessing. He is white. As an Asian woman who grew up in a predominantly white community, I've always felt like my identity was reduced to those gross stereotypes of Asian women as submissive, innocent, and exotic, all of which I am not. Hello, Asians make up the majority of the world's population, so who's really exotic here? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, growing up uh, in such a white community led me to internalize a lot of whiteness, which I still am, am unpacking today. Almost all of my serious relationships have been with white men who have always fetishized me to some degree. Let's not forget the long history of colonization and violence white men have inflicted on Asian women. I sometimes feel ashamed that I have mostly dated white men. I think about my few relationships with men of color and I think about how exciting and stimulating those were because of our shared experiences of being a person of color in America with three Ks. Moving forward, I want to cultivate healthy and sustaining relationships with people who will listen to my experience as an Asian woman and see me not just for that, but even more as a deeply complex person with a rich inner world. I should also note that I come from a really interesting background, adopted at a year old from China, raised by white parents in a white community, which definitely led me to subconsciously distance myself from my Asian-ness in some way while growing up. But that's another conversation. Mm. So this guy, I asked him what his experience was dating a person of color. And he told me that he's never dated a POC before. We later had a conversation where he admitted that it is different and it is unfamiliar, especially since I told him some of my stories about dealing with casual racism in my life. I think the same way that I'm feeling hesitant about him being white, the same way he is perhaps hesitant about me being Asian To be clear, this guy has never raised any red flags to me. He doesn't do any microaggressions. We've had in-depth conversations about race politics and white privilege, and he doesn't virtue signal or try to be a white savior in any way. He understands how his identity as a white cis man has served him and shaped his experiences slash relationships, and he is open and empathetic to listen to my own. It certainly doesn't feel good that my race is what makes him feel hesitant. It's not like I have any control over that. However, him being white also makes me hesitant. So maybe I'm the hypocrite. I really want to explore things with this guy, but I'm afraid that I, one, am going to be fetishized. Two, that he's not prepared to support, advocate, understand what it means to be in a partnership with a person of color while white himself. Three, that I 
am literally just adding on to this internalized whiteness that has probably governed all of my love life. I hate to be the quote Asian girl who only dates white men type of Asian girl, but that's what I've been. This is obviously a mess in my head and I would love some random musings to help sort this out. Thanks so much and much love to you both. Chronic white boy dater. Mm. All right. Chronic white boy dater. Thank you so much for writing to us and to, uh, for trusting us with this question as to white people as well. Um, and I, uh, really appreciate that this is this is weighing heavily on you, right? Like it sounds like there's a lot of of thinking that's going on here, where you're unpacking a whole bunch of stuff, um, and that can be really helpful in a lot of ways, but it can also be really challenging, and it can create a lot of anxiety to to feel like, oh, there's so much complexity here, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do with all of it. So appreciate that you are in the thick of it. Appreciate you inviting us into the thick of it with you. And we're going to get into some thoughts and musings in just a second. All right. Y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right, my darling, just echoing everything Sam said, thank you so much for trusting us with this letter and, you know, being interested in our humble musings. Um, this is complicated and it's it's really obvious to me and Sam why this is weighing on your heart. Um, you're asking all of the right questions. And I also know that when we're asking a thousand questions at once, when we're doing this introspection, um, it can, we can feel really bogged down in that. So mm. hopefully we can offer you just like a couple different ways to look at things or I don't know, more humble, humble musings to hopefully <laughs> sure. help you unpack this um, on your own terms or in your own way. The first thing that I want to tackle is like this hesitation that you feel that you, seems like, has really preoccupied you rightfully so right mm -hmm. um in any circumstance for anybody it doesn't feel good when somebody when we perceive that somebody hesitates to date us right like we <laughs> you know taking race out of it taking taking all identities out of it like we want the other person to be like obsessed with us, you know, or like gung ho, oh, sure, yeah. so like, sure. I'm like, ready, we can let's second do this. Guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can second guess, but we, you know, especially as anxiously attached cuties, like we want people fully there. Right. But I'm curious about two things. One, I want to know is, I want to know if he would use that word hesitating sure. or would he use the word like being mindful or being thoughtful or present, you know, like, yep. I think this is what I think it is different, you know, that, that you are Asian and he's never dated anybody who's Asian before. It is a different experience for him. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a good thing that he's being mindful of that. This is different because the alternative is him saying, oh, it's not different. I don't see race. You're just like everybody else I've dated, right? right. Um, I think it might feel more uncomfortable to acknowledge that this is different, that there are dynamics that are going to have to be navigated in this relationship that he hasn't had to navigate before. But that is a, it's in this is instance, I think this is a very good discomfort. Mm -hmm. And I don't want you to conflate this as a hesitancy of like, I don't want to be with you. I think it's a hesitancy of like, I want to do this um, mindfully, considerately, compassionately. Like I, I want to acknowledge all of the stage that has been set, um, you know, not by us that we would be building this relationship on. Right. For sure. That could totally fuck up everything about this relationship if we're not intentional and careful about it. Like, yes. I, and I don't know this boyfriend. I'm not, I, 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 I'm not trying to give him any undue credit. Um, 
but I am basing it off of what you've told me about him, that like all of those good things that you told me about him, that I'm not sure this hesitation is like a, is like related to rejection. I think this hesitation is more related to mindfulness. For sure. And, and you are, it sounds like you're experiencing like a similar hesitation because it sounds like you are both sitting in the knowledge that dating cross-racially in the United States is going to require you both to flex different muscles than you may be practiced in flexing, right? And and sort of acknowledging the fact that because race is such a huge difference making a difference in the United States that you are going to have different experiences of things and that it's going to be challenging for both of you to deconstruct all of the whiteness that both of you have internalized because of the place that we sit in, right? And and the country that we live in. And and I just want to say that like absolutely you are right to be worried that this person is going to fetishize you, right? And absolutely you are right to be worried that this person is going to uh, not believe or undermine your experiences as an Asian woman in this country, right? Because that's how folks tend to operate, right? Like that is a very real and legitimate fear that you have. And also there is a possibility, there is a place where that doesn't happen, right? Like that, where that fear doesn't come true. And what I appreciate about the way that you are approaching this and the way that you seem to be experiencing this person that you are thinking about getting more into monogamy with or getting more exclusive with (laughs) is that you're both having these conversations in a meaningful way, right? You're both acknowledging this difference. You're both talking about it. And the fact that he's been receiving and believing your experiences of racism in this country, I think speaks to the fact that, that there's stuff for him to, to learn and unpack and that he's committed to doing that, which I think is really great. And What I will say is that the expectation that you and him both dismantle the the realities of white supremacy in yourselves before you'll be ready to date each other is impossible, right? Because this is not just a like, we do this once and then we're done. We don't have these like things baked in anymore. It's forever work. And I think that approaching this in a way of saying, we're going to be committed to doing this forever work with each other is probably the better way to handle this than saying we both need to work out everything that could be impacting this relationship because of the the differences in our race before we'll even be ready to date each other. Cause I don't think that that yeah. is a possibility. Yeah. I, that's so true. I didn't even think about that. I, I love that perspective, Sam. Um, I also want to echo what Sam said of like, it's okay to be guarded. It's okay to, you know, have expectations or concerns, you know, that is your, that's based off of a lived experience and an, and an understanding of what threads have sewn together our country and its history. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also want to say something that Sam has taught me, which is like, you know, when it comes to like, the anxiety of decision-making. I think you have often said to past letter writers, like, so what if it does go wrong? You know, like, what if he does, you know, hurt you in this way or disappoint you or fetishize you? Or what if this turns out to be relationship um, that's not sustainable for whatever reason? Mm -hmm. And I think you in the past, Sam, have said something in the essence of like, well, you know what to do. You know what to do if it 
if it goes wrong. You know what to do if he um, can't support you in this relationship specifically because of his race, right? Then you know you're not meant to be together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we get caught up. It's actually kind of related to the point you just made. Like we want to be perfect before we enter into this vulnerability contract of a partnership, right? <laughs> For sure. We want to be fully healed. We want to fully understand our triggers, um, you know, the intersectionality of our identities. We want to be um, the most healed, most anti-racist, most compassionate, most vulnerable, all of these things. We want to have it all fixed before we show our underbellies to other people, before we enter that terrifying, vulnerable space of like potentially fucking up around one another, right? And that's just like an impossible standard. And adding to that idea, like what if we stopped thinking about it as like, I need to have this all figured out or I need to know that this relationship is gonna be safe. What Mm. if instead we say like, well, we're always gonna, you know, in any relationship, we're always going to disappoint each other. And what are we going to do when it comes to the point where we're, where we are so fundamentally incompatible or unhappy? Well, we're going to break up, right? Like we know what to do. You know what to do. If this goes wrong, all, all signs have pointed to, well, there are two signs going on here. One sign says, you know, he's doing the work. He's, he has proven to be a trustworthy, safe person, you know, Maybe we should try this out. And then there's like a other sign in the distance that says like whiteness poisons everything, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which so both like are true. Your reaction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. B- two things are true. Um, but I don't want you to forget, like you have the inner intuition that has led you to be mindful about this. Again, not hesitating in the sense of rejection or predicting something going wrong, but just mindful. Right. Mm-hmm. That intuition can also carry you if and when or maybe when this goes wrong in the future right for sure absolutely and i love i love that idea of like thinking about not necessarily like preparing for every possible thing that could go wrong but the idea of of sort of what are we going to do when likely things happen can mm-hmm. be super helpful and particularly when we're sort of entering this new way of being together, right? Like when we're both approaching this as like, I've never done this before, or I haven't done this before. Like, what are we going to try to say? Like what happens when he does something, he does make a microaggression against you that he doesn't know about, or that's unintentional or whatever it is. Cause my, again, I'm trying to have faith in this person that like he's, he's trying cause that's what he's saying. And that's how you're experiencing him. Like, what are you going to do when that happens? Yeah. Or what are you going to do when you experience overt racism from somebody and you're together, right? Or what yes. are you going to do when you feel fetishized by something he says or something that he does? Like, how are you going to handle that together? And I think yeah. that having some of those conversations, um, maybe not like all immediately, but like as you are like sort of moving into a a deeper amount of uh, sort of intimacy with each other, like I think acknowledging and talking about some of those things might help, first of all, when those things inevitably happen for for you to have like tools to be like, okay, oh, this is happening. Let's like, let's do the things we agreed to. But it might also help you feel a little bit more secure in the reality of dating a white person in a system of white supremacy culture, right? In a system where whiteness makes weird things or people do weird and harmful things to each other. 
So I yeah. love that. And then also having this idea of like, well, okay, if it goes poorly, what we'll break up and like, it will suck and I'll hate it. And it doesn't feel good. And all, all of those different things. And you'll live through it because you've lived through breakups before you have, you are a strong person. Right. And, and so like the worst case scenario that something horribly happens, you'll get through it. You'll handle it because, yeah. because I yeah. know you will, because I, I trust you and I know that you can trust yourself in that. So I do think that like thinking ahead a little bit without getting too bogged down in the like, what if, what if, what if, but in the like, how are we going to handle things if they come up might, might help you a little bit to feel a little bit more secure in the relationship. And hopefully he's amenable to having those types of conversations with you. And what, well, and, and kind of going off of what Sam just said at that last moment of just like, you don't have to have the blueprint or how you're going to handle every, every moment in which it is apparent that you two have two under different understandings and experiences of the world. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't have to, again, you don't have to solve racism before you date this person. Right. Um, but I think Sam's right in, in affirming you that like you have tools, you have resources, you have intuition, you can trust yourself. Um, and, and also just like the general affirmation that this is a lot, that this is the product of white supremacy, that you are doing this thing that should be purely fun and chaotic the way that all dating is. And, mm -hmm. and yet because of the history in our, and the, not just the history, the, the living legacy of racism in our country, you have to, you're doing this inner tur turmoil work right before you even decide to like date this dude um and that is and for that like you know i'm i'm sorry that this is the extra step that that we are making you do um i don't want any of our advice to like minimize that this is just straight up like frustrating and and violent Stupid. and unfortunate right Absolutely. yeah yep um the last thing i want to say is uh it seems like you're having a little bit of this inner tur turmoil come out against yourself because of um, your internalized whiteness, because of um, your parents and your community, you know, and your dating history. And I'm not really sure how I want to articulate this. So Sam is going to save me after I say this or like <laughs> we'll re <laughs> rephrase it for me. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but I, I always think that all of the inner work that we do, the head and heart work we do, the self-reflection, the unpacking, the, the, the deprogramming that we do around everything within us, our attachment styles, you know, our, the cultural influences, our, you know, the impacts of white supremacy, our childhood traumas, you know, like everything mm -hmm. that has programmed our brain to, to have the pathways that it does the work that we do to reprogram ourselves that has to go hand in hand with a little bit of, how do I want to say it? Like, like humanness, mm. for example, I just don't want your human experience to be, um, to be overanalyzed by this very important analysis work, right? They have to go hand in hand. For example, Qualifying your dating history as only dating white people because they were white minimizes you, actually, because that's not the only reason why you dated them. You dated sure. them for 
a hundred reasons for a hundred circumstances that I will never know because I was never in your body at that time. Yep. We all are products of are the racist system that has built the culture around us 100%. We are products of the patriarchy. We are products of white supremacy. We are products of gender. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and, and our weird gender policies that is all around us. And the analysis and untangling of those systems has to go hand in hand with a certain, I don't know how to say that, but just like, don't minimize your own humanity in that. Like, sure. don't say, or what you can say, wow, I was drawn to those people because of whiteness and how whiteness has informed me. And also I was drawn to them because they were funny. Mm-hmm. I was drawn to them because of X, Y, and Z, you know, yep. I'm only saying that because I think it's an important, it's a way to give yourself grace while you're doing this really important, really necessary, really exhausting deprogramming, right? For sure. Um, it's just a way to be a little bit more gentle with yourself as you're doing this important work. Does that absolutely. all make sense? No, absolutely. It makes a ton of sense. And, you know, Sierra and I are not going to know what it's like to be a person of color deprogramming whiteness for right. themselves, right? Because we're we're not, right? And our deprogramming of whiteness is going to inherently look different than yours. And I think that Sierra is right, that like part of this is also about recognizing that um, the the work of dismantling white supremacy inside of us is not necessarily that we um, behave in perfectly predictable ways around it, right? But that instead it's going to be a messy thing that is impacted, of course, by systems of white supremacy and also by all of the different things that are around us and who we have access to and how we have access to them. And the fact that you're asking yourselves these que- this question, I think is deeply important and I'm, I'm glad that you're doing it. And I don't think that the answer is going to be cut as cut and dry as saying I was only ever dating these people because they were white and instead saying I was dating these people probably because I'm drawn to whiteness because that's what I know the most intimately, intimately and and because of all of these different reasons, uh, right. because of all of this stuff, right? And again, it's like, it's really easy to distill people down into stereotypes around, yes, you're the Asian girl who only dates white men, or you're the bisexual who only has sex with women, but only is interested in relationships with men, right? Like these tropes that we have around people and the reality of living with those identities and experiences is going to be way more complicated than right. those than those stereotypes or tropes that we have for people. So I know it's uncomfortable to sit in that, or I assume it's uncomfortable to sit in that. I haven't done it. I haven't experienced it myself, but I just want to say that like that discomfort is part of your awareness around it. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Right. That discomfort Mm -hmm. is okay. And it teaches us something and you're never going to get a perfect answer to the question of, am I only dating white men because I am like internalizing whiteness. Right. It's probably that and a mix of a bunch of different things. So keep doing that. Keep asking yourself those questions. Keep making different decisions. And there's never going to be a drop of clarity that suddenly turns the whole pond clear, right? It's going to be murky and messy and gross the whole time. Go off, poet. (laughs) Where did that metaphor come from? I love it. Um, uh, Regardless, my darling, um, you know, this 
I want this to be a simpler letter and it's not. I want this to be us just saying, oh my God, he sounds like a catch. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> you know? Um, so maybe I'll just end on that um, idyllic idea of like, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you because you have this new, exciting potential love. I'm also happy for you that you're, you're doing that, that good work, that important work and that you are, you know, moving further along that journey into yourself um, and potentially feeling empowered in the clarity that you get, you know, empowered, frustrated, disappointed, but empowered nonetheless. Um, Absolutely. Sam and I love you so much. And we hope, I mean, honestly, I hope this goes well. Like I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could just send us a DM, that would be great. But um, we hope this helps in the Absolutely. meantime. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more content from us, you can always support us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com, which is also where you can get our merchandise. Please remember to subscribe, like, follow, give us a five-star rating and review. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis. And remember, y'all, the work of self-reflection is so important. It is the life's work. It is the path to authenticity, to freedom, to peace. But it has to go hand in hand with compassion, with rest, with care for yourself. You are complex, you are unique, and you are the only person who can give yourself that inner peace. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>